You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Good morning. Glad you're here today. We have been talking about inspiring stories and uh, taking a look at some of those stories in the Bible, the stories, the events, and the people that inspire us to do extraordinary things. We've been uh, using some movie clips to kind of tell some of that story, and we've been unpacking some of the great inspirational stories of the Bible, inspiring stories that, that, that tell us that we can do far beyond what we can imagine. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3.20. He says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, that him is Jesus Christ. Now to God be the glory, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, according to his power that is at work within us. And then, of course, it's to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We have been kind of not only just taking a look at these amazing, inspiring stories, but we've been also been uh, stirring up the inspirational story of our church, uh, the future of our church and God's plan for us this year. This is the year by faith that we believe that God has uh, has called us uh, to 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 make a change, a big change in our church, in our location. So we're going to be, uh, we've been talking about that. The mission of every church is laid out for us in Matthew uh, 28, 19. We've been talking about that, the mission to go and to proclaim the gospel, the truth, the life-saving message, the good news of Jesus to every creature, every nation, every person. Every true Christian church shares the same mission. We have the same mission as every true Christian church. On the way here today, you, you actually drove by a few churches, and, and if they're a true uh, Christian church, they share the exact same mission as us. However, each church has a different vision, and that is how they live out and walk out the mission for their church. And uh, we've been talking about our vision for our church and, and how our church is different than a lot of churches. The Living Way has never been a typical church. Uh, we we have a unique vision, I believe, to what God has called us to do. And uh, Living Way is not a place. It is about people. It always will be about people. And it's about us seeking God together and finding out what he has for us. But our mission and our vision are very important if we're going to move forward together. Our vision has been, uh, we've been talking about the vibe over the last uh, six years, uh, seven years fully, but kind of planting seeds uh, about the vibe for the last six years. And uh, a little bit later in the service, I'm going to have an open time of questions uh, concerning everything we've been talking about over the last few weeks and maybe your questions concerning our future. So if you want to write down my phone number, it's on the screen right now, and uh, or put it in your phone and get ready because we're going to have you text questions or if you just want to raise your hand, you can, you can shout out the question. You can do that too. So you can text me or you can, um, you can just put, uh, stand up and say, Yo, Ted, I got a question for you. Uh, we have been meeting in a movie theater of some kind for over 12 years. We've been in this movie theater for 10 years. We've been talking about our life outside of the theater for about seven years, just waiting on God, just embracing where God has us and, and just knowing that we're exactly where we're supposed to be. However, over the last year, uh, we felt uh, our leadership team, uh, we feel like our season here at this movie theater is coming to an end. So we've been talking about that, and uh, we've been unfolding what that's going to mean for us. We believe now is the time for us to step out. It's a three-step vision. It's got three phases to it. Step one is relocation, and that means we're, gonna, we're, our, we're currently uh, looking for a place for us to meet that is within our budget, that, uh, that meets our current budget, uh, and relocate this year. It might be in March, it might be in June, it might be in September, but we believe this year is our year of relocation. Step two is uh, allowing that place uh, to become uh, the Vive, which is a, a place of, of a venue, a place for music, a place for art, a place for counseling, a place for support groups, a place for ministry that is open as many days a week as possible. And then step three, and this is a, another year later, and that is going to be transitioning uh, the Vive into a, a 
coffee lounge where basically it is open every day and people do have a place to come and meet and interact and there's counseling available all day long and it's a place to live life. It's a place to, to actually meet and a place, by the way, the word vive, we've talked about this before, it's, a, it's, it's root is in Latin and it, and it covers a variety of words because vive as a Latin word has been used in languages all over the world. We still use it today. Have you ever heard of the word revival or revive? Revive means to bring back to life. And the word vibe means life. Uh, some uh, languages, like in, in uh, French, it's, it's to live or long life. And others, it's just, it's, um, it's living. And what I love about the vibe is that no matter where you go in the world, there's a, there's a, there's a meaning to that, and it is life. It is to live. We want to be a place where, where people find life. Where a place where there is life and a place where people are living uh, to know Christ Jesus. So uh, last week we talked about facing our biggest giant when it comes to this new vision, or not new, but uh, this new step in our life for our vision, and that is uh, our finances. And last week we also presented a plan to conquer that giant through the 410 Pledge, which we're going to talk again about here in a few minutes. And one of the things, before I jump into this week's inspirational story, is I love how this uh, step in our life, this vision in our life, is breathing life into many of you. It's so exciting to see uh, our body getting excited about our future, about our church, and and uh, we're we're going from just checking in on Sundays and and maybe dragging ourselves to a small group to a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose, and I love that that excitement that is stirring in our body. I love it. Well, today we're going to talk about inspired to make history. Inspired to make history. Now uh, tonight there are two teams that are going to try to make history. And uh, one of them will make history, and the other one we will forget complete. Now, some of you are football buffs, and you know the answer. Who knows last year's losing team? Anybody? Okay. Who knows the year before that losing team? It's probably your team, so you might remember. Or the year before that. After about four or five years, you're like, uh, let me Google that. You know, we just, they, they don't. They didn't make history. They, they make a stat. And, uh, so, but today, one of those teams uh, hopes to make history. When I talk about history, it's not, I'm not just talking about the past story of somebody or something. History is also a future. It is also looking forward to making a mark, making a difference. It's you today getting a chance to make history for the future. Today, I want to talk about a woman who made history, and we're reading about her today thousands of years later, true story of a woman in the Bible whose name was Esther. Let me give you a little background on Esther. There's a book in the Bible named after her, and here's the background check. Israel and Judah were uh, attacked and forced and taken into uh, captivity and taken into a place that they didn't want to be. So they were forced to live in a place they didn't want to be as captives in a foreign land. Not only were they captives, but they were in a place where everybody hated their race, the Jews. They hated Jewish people in the place that they were in, in Persia. Now, Esther was one of those young Jewish girls living in Persia. We don't know what happened to her parents. Her parents died when she was a child, and she was raised by her cousin, an older cousin named Mordecai. And Mordecai was a godly man who loved the Lord and who served the Lord faithful in spite of his location, in spite of where he was at. So she grew up beautiful inside and out. Now, when the king of Persia uh, wanted a new wife, they decided to have this contest. It was a beauty pageant. And they had this beauty contest, and lo and behold, Esther won this beauty pageant, and she became the new queen of Persia. And she was considered the most beautiful woman in all of the nation. Nobody, however, knew that she was Jewish, including the king. Mordecai 
warned her not to tell anybody that she was Jewish. Uh, Jewish. One of the king's royal officials named Haman, he uh, did not like Jewish people at all, and he had it out to kill every one of them. Uh, he forced everyone to bow at his feet when he walked by and went through a street or walked by them, and everyone did except for Mordecai. Mordecai had a purpose in his heart that he would bow to no one but the Lord God. Haman, therefore, because he was so angry at Mordecai's obvious rebellion in front of all these other Jewish people that he hated anyways, he decided that he was going to try to plot against Mordecai to kill him and all the Jewish people once and for all. So he talked to the king and he got the king to basically pass a law behind the scenes without the king really knowing what it was about. He began to stir up all kinds of lies about the Jewish people, saying that they were rebellious, saying that they were subversive, saying that they were revolutionaries on the verge of throwing over the king, and they also began to pin all the crime in the nation upon all the Jewish people, calling them a bunch of criminals. Well, the king signed into law that it was open hunting on all the Jews, literally promising great reward for people that killed them. So Haman now had free reign to hunt down and kill Mordecai. And Jews began to be rounded up and systematically killed for sport. You think Hitler was the first one to do a holocaust? It was Persia. Both of them had an H name, Haman and Hitler. With all that in mind, this is how the story that's the backdrop of this story. In Esther chapter 4, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, that, that there was going to be a law that was now open season on all Jewish people, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth uh, and ashes, and he went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. That means they would, they would tear their clothes and they would wear these, these, these just rotted out, torn up kind of sack type oriented clothes and they would put the ashes from the fire all over their face and their body. It was, a, it was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of depression. And so there was just intense amount of mourning and wailing and weeping and fear because all of them knew that their time had come to die. As to the king, not knowing what the edict was, uh, sent a spy to go ask her, her cousin, what the lowdown was, what was going on, and why he was so upset. So in Esther 4, 8, it says, he gave this spy, Mordecai gave this spy a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. Now, this is the stage that is set for a history-making decision. What we're going to have here is I'm going to give you four ingredients to making history. Four ingredients. We're going to have an open discussion here in a few minutes, but this is the backdrop of even our discussion. Four ingredients of making history, and this is the first one is this, is the opportunity. The opportunity. Mordecai, he unveiled to Esther the need. He pulled the cover off the, the injustice. He exposed an, a, an incredible injustice towards the people of the land. You know, some of you live your life blinded by the need of the world around you. You have no idea how much hurt and pain is happening on the inside of your neighbor's door. Some of you have no idea of the pain and suffering that is going on around the world among Christians and those that never get a chance to know Christ. And Mordecai, like some of you, uh, you need a Mordecai in your life, somebody to pull the covers off, to expose you to the truth of the, of the injustice, to expose you to the need, to, to reveal to you the problem. An opportunity was given to make a difference. Esther, we need you. 
no matter the risk. Tell him who you are. Use the position that God puts you in to save us. Esther, rise up. It was an opportunity. It was a it was an in-your-face moment of decision. In our life, we are presented with God opportunities to do something almost every day. Sometimes, however, we have God opportunities presented to us occasionally to do something incredibly eternally significant. Something of eternal value. A need is revealed, an injustice exposed, lives are at stake, and the question is what will you do? See, the Bible has two words when it comes to the word moment, two primary words for for moments in the Bible. The first one uh, is the word chronos, which is where we get the word chronology. And basically that just means time. It just means a story, the history of time. And chronos is not the word that is used in the Greek in the, uh, in the, in the transliteration. The word here is the word kairos, which means a significant, supreme moment of eternal significance. You see, she was presented with a kairos moment, a moment that could change the history of the world. And he says, Esther, here it is, the opportunity to make a difference. This is not just a Kronos moment. This is a Kairos moment. And guys, listen, at Living Way Church, we understand that this city, that this world is hurting. We understand that there are those who are crying out for help, and we are here. We exist we meet up every day, and we send out every Monday, and we involve ourselves in small groups, and we support mission work and ministry and outreach because we believe we can do something about it. We believe that we have these kairos moments, and they're ours to choose. Here's the second ingredient. It's found in Esther 4. It says, Hathak went back, that's the spy, by the way, and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But for the last 30 days, they have passed since I have been called to the king. All right, here's the second ingredient to making history. Not only is there an opportunity, but there is a cost. The second ingredient is the cost. You see, Esther, if she seized the kairos, the cost could very well be easily her life. She was facing the greatest cost of all, her comfort, her life. You see, back in Persia, there was another law. And that is a law that no one, not even the queen, could approach the king unless he invited them. It was considered a capital offense, no trial, immediately you were put to death. So you could understand the extreme, the extreme invitation or a request that Mordecai had given to Esther. She was basically telling Esther, uh, I mean, she was basically reporting back to Mordecai, uh, this is a suicide mission. You realize that, right? This is, he, it's been over a month. He's not wanted to sleep with me. He's not wanted to talk to me. He hasn't even wanted to see my face. He obviously does not want me. I don't know where I stand with him. Uh, I'm not sure. Guys, Esther was afraid. Her first response to Mordecai is, but I will die. I don't know where I stand with him. This will cost me possibly more than I'm willing to give. I'm afraid. You see, making history has a cost attached to it. It will always cost you something. It always involves a sacrifice. It will cost you time. It will cost you commitment. It will cost you energy. It will cost you resources. It will cost you convenience. It may not be as high as your life but it will cost you, and it will always have a price tag. And as we look at our future for our church, we see our opportunity to make a difference here. We see that we are presented, you are presented, with a kairos moment, an eternal moment of significance. 
And it will involve risk. It will involve sacrifice. It will involve a commitment. It will involve a cost. Jesus tells us about these eternal moments and how what we do here matters for eternity. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, you want to know how to make history? This is how you do it. Matthew 6, Jesus says, verse 19, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He says, don't invest all your time, your energy, your talents, your resources. Don't just pour it in to things on this planet where moth and vermin destroy, where the thieves break in and steal. He says, man, the stuff we work so hard for here, they will all pass away. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, invest your time, your talents, your treasures in the eternal kingdom of God. He says, that's all that will matter once the dust settles of this life. Once you breathe your last breath and they put that last pile of dirt in that hole, once they uh, say their goodbyes and 50 years from now you are forgotten, the only thing that will matter matter is what you invested into the eternal kingdom of God. And Jesus says, that's history. And then he says this, he said, very big challenge, he says, for where your treasure is, it's where your heart will be. He says, you want to know where your heart is? Just look at where you put your resources. Look at where you spend your money. Look at where all your time goes. Look at your calendar. Look at your checkbook. He says, you want to know where your Heart is, well, look at where your treasure has been put. Some of you guys, they reveal a misguided pursuit. In fact, with that, he says this. He warns, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkened, how great is that darkness? He's talking in the context of what we pursue. He says, if everything that you see is all that you're investing in, then you know what? He says, you eventually will find yourself in a dark place. Here's how I would uh, understand this verse. He's, you know, we have our eyes on something in life. We have our eyes on goals. Some of them are great goals. Some of them are godly goals. Some of them are very selfish goals. But we have our eyes on these goals. And Jesus says, what is your eye on? If your eye is on something that is godly and the kingdom of God, if it is something that invests for eternal, he says, man, your whole body will be blessed. Your whole life will have this sense of purpose and meaning. He says, but if your eyes or on things that are selfish, on dark things, and you're going to find that what you pursue could take you to great places or take you to dark places. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. So the question is, what are you chasing and who are you serving can we define great differently? Can we define, can we define success differently? Can we define wealth differently? According to Jesus, it's about eternal investments. Now, I'm going to do an illustration here that I've done in the past. So give me, I'm going to, got to go out here to. Uh, let's just imagine that this rope, some of you guys have seen this rope before. Don't want to catch the place on fire. So I'll make sure I have enough to go around this communion table. Let's just say this rope, this rope goes out this building. Let's just say it not only goes out this building, but it goes down this street. And this rope doesn't just go down this building and around the street. Let's just say this rope also, well, it goes around the world. I think this is as far as it's going to go. <laughs> Let's just say this rope represents the timeline of eternity, right? And it just goes on and on. It wraps around the globe. It wraps around the world. We got a little bit more? Okay, that's good that it just wraps around 
around and around and around and around. It goes on for eternity because time itself is not something that hasn't. And I believe that we are eternal beings, that that once we are created, that we have from that moment on an eternity before us. It will be a great eternity or it will be a very disappointing eternity for some of you. But this eternity is something that has been given to us. And But here's the deal. You see this red part of the rope, that little front end right here? This signifies our time on this planet right now. This little dot right there, that's, that's when Ted Blair was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's my little life. That's my little life. This is me moving about 12 times before I was in third grade. This is that season where my family was really crazy, and they got better and they got crazy again. This is when I gave my life to Christ right there. And right here, this is when I started following Jesus with all that I had. I started getting involved in my youth group, and I went to Bible college, and this is when I married my wife, my sweetheart, my girlfriend for since I was a teenager. And then I served in ministry, and then here I am right here, and I still got a little bit of life left in me. I don't know how much, but I got some. But my life will end, and then I will face eternity. And so will every one of you. And we look at the length of this rope and this, the eternity that is, that is behind us or that is before us that is still to come, and, and we obsess over, over this part right here. We do everything we can to buy and to save and to invest for this part. But Jesus says, invest in this part. Invest in the eternity. He says, this will all pass away. It will all fall apart. It will all dissolve. Even the money in your bank will be gone one day. Those gold bars will not save you. So, Jesus is saying, make an eternal investment. See, here's the challenge that so many of us are so worried about missing out on this part right here. I don't want to. I don't want to miss up on this. I don't want to give my life to Jesus because I might not be able to do that. That little thing right there, I may not be able to do that. But here's the crazy thing: what we do here determines this. It determines the rest of our life. This little tiny red part determines the course of our eternity. And the choices we make here have a lot to say with the rest of of eternity in our life. And Jesus is saying, invest in the kingdom of heaven, not in the the red zone of this life. I'm going to come back to that. See, there's a cost, and Jesus is saying, you know, there is a cost. The cost is everything. It's your life. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we see value in different things. And what's crazy is that the Bible says that what happens here does determine what happens, how we exist for the next millions and millions of years. And we only get one chance on this earth, guys. We don't get to do it over again. We don't get a reboot. We don't get a restart. There is no reincarnation. The Bible says it is appointed for man to die once and then judgment. We die once and then we face God and have to give to account to him our entire life. I always tell people this life is a job interview. This life is simply our resume to our eternity with the Father. And guys, Jesus is challenging us that there is an opportunity and that there is a cost. Well, Esther sent back the letter afraid of what might happen. And this is what happens in Esther chapter 4. She says, I'm not sure if I can do this. And Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, verse 13. He sent back his answer. He says, do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. He says, you can make history with God right now. But if you don't, God will raise up someone else at another time. He says, but you and your father's family will perish. The question is not whether or not to be. The question is, who's it going to be? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? He says, Esther, is it going to be you? And then he says one of the great, one of the great inspiring statements of the Bible. 
And he says, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai's response was the next ingredient to making history, and that is, number three, the challenge. We have an opportunity, we need to understand the cost, and we need to understand the challenge. He said he didn't beat around the bush. He said the stakes are too high. Uh, History is yours to make. Esther, what will you do? This is your time to shine. This is your time to stand. This is it. This is your kairos. Are you going to do something great, or are you going to die and die trying, or are you just going to die? I don't know about you, but when, when I was a teenager, I decided years ago after I became a Christian that I wanted to be a history maker. And I, I, and I used to, you know, um, in the 80s, you know, like pastel shirts and colors and stuff. And I had these shirts that I had made and, 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 uh, with, the, with the puff paint, you know, you guys, 80s puff paint, pastel colors and stuff. And I made these shirts and it, it said history maker on them. Do you remember that shirt by any chance? <laughs> All right, I say, because I'm a history maker, baby, right? So I'm like, I'm a history maker. And I just say, you know what? Because I don't want to live and die and be forgotten. Man, I, want, I know that I got the power of God in me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And I know that if I'm stepping in God's plan and will, that I can achieve amazing things above and beyond what I can imagine, exceedingly abundantly above all that I can hope or imagine or even think of. If I can just say, God, here I am, pick me, pick me. My whole life, my, my, my heart has been, God, just pick me, just pick me. God, I know you're going to have your will done, and I know nothing can stop or detour your plan, but God, if you can somehow write me into your story, just write me in. Just pick me. I'll be in the background, but just let me be a part of it. That's our heart. That's the challenge. That's what Mordecai is saying to Esther. In fact, I'm going to play one more clip here. It's from Braveheart. It's the great speech of Braveheart where he says, you know what? You may die. But you could also make history. Check this little clip out right here. On this battlefield, I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh, the English are too many. Scotland, I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom! that clip, don't you just want to run out of here going, yeah! yeah. I watched that clip as, uh, many times as, over the last few months because I was waiting to use it this week, and I'm like, man, I got to watch that movie again too. It's been a while. 
You know, we, we are challenging you to do something. In uh, the last week, last week we, we talked about what's called the 410 Challenge. And the 410 Challenge is a way that we're going to be able to tackle uh, our next chapter and also be able to tackle this giant. And uh, together we can do something pretty great. We call it 410 Challenge because for four months we're, uh, we're challenging you to, to double your current giving. Now, uh, or pray about how much you can give that is a sacrifice. Maybe you can't give double, but you can, you can go uh, sacrifice extreme, do something crazy uh, for four months, and, and see what God would have for you. It's a challenge for four months. Our goal is to raise 40000 in four months. And uh, that's, that's uh, pretty doable. We make about 12000 a month as a church. And so what I'd like us to do is, is to shoot for making an additional 10000 a month for four months, and let's get some money in the bank so that we can, uh, wherever God leads us and provides for us, and when we see a place that God has for us, that we have money in the bank that we can, that we can use to move in, to renovate, to care for, or to put as a down payment, uh, we're even open to the possibility of, uh, of actually uh, looking into purchasing a, a location or to uh, leasing a retail center. Uh, our options are on the table as we're looking. But in order for us to even to do that, we need to have some, some money in the bank. And, and anything we're going to do above our normal budget is going to take a challenge. So I'm asking all of our regular church people four months uh, to double our giving. And then for uh, that means if you give 10% as a tithe, that means for the, for the next 10 uh, four months, you give 10% as a tithe and 10% uh, for the vibe. Uh, if you don't tithe, well, then just start doing that. That's a good place to start. Maybe you've never done that before. And we're not asking for equal gifts, but for equal sacrifice, all of us. For some of you, $20 is a sacrifice. For some of you, 2000 is a sacrifice. Some people have already made a commitment to the pledge. And what they've done is they've already decided to, they've calculated what their four-month challenge is, and they've just written out a check for that. And so that might be something you want to do, or you want to, or you just want to do it weekly, or you want to do it monthly. Um, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and have uh, 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 Mike Walls. If you could hand out those pledge cards that that I gave to you earlier, I want you guys to take a look at them um, and give you a chance. We're going to open discussion, give you an open Q and A to ask questions about that in a minute. But let's see what happens next in the story of Esther. In Esther chapter four, verse fifteen, it says, "Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai." After he says, maybe you were there for such a time as this, she says, all right. Then Esther sent this reply. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. and Do not drink for three days, night or day. I and my tenants will fast as you do. By the way, when they say fast, it's a prayer and fasting. It's a time of seeking God, of just, God, what would you have for me to do? God, show me. Give me boldness. Give me strength. Help me to receive and believe that this challenge is a God moment challenge. So uh, she says, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And here's the, uh, the fourth ingredient to making history, and that is prayer prayer. And it's very simple. Um, Esther made the decision to seize the moment, but first it had to be bathed in prayer. Because there is a, a, a plan for God that is sometimes only revealed in our time of prayer. Sometimes our, we second guess ourselves, or we, we get scared or we feel like it's too big. And what we find out in a time of prayer, uh, what we find out when we're on our knees is that the Lord is our strength, that he is our courage, that he is our ability to do more than we can hope or imagine or think of. And so she says, you know what, I'm going to do it. And whether it succeeds, it will succeed. And whether I fail, I fail. It doesn't matter because I'm doing it. I'm embracing this kairos because I believe that's what I'm supposed to do, what I'm called to do, but I'm not going to do anything without praying first. So she bathes it in prayer. It does not make common sense. It does not make financial sense, but it made God sense. And whether I fall, at least I know God sent me. See, you have your own kairos that, that our church is presenting to you. Uh, that request, that proposal, that risk. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to bathe it in prayer. I'm asking you to get on your knees, and then I'm asking you to do it. In 
our Living Way Challenge here, I'm asking you as a family to talk about it. We, our family have talked about it. We've already made a decision on what we're going to give. Uh, we're going to, our 410 challenge, we're going to have two prayer times. We're going to have a, a prayer time for our four-month challenge, and then we're going to revisit this before the 10-month challenge, and we're going to pray again about what God would have us do for a 10-month challenge. And here's the deal. I believe that when we bathe it in prayer, it's time to move on it. And uh, what happens next is, is uh, just a, a miracle. Uh, but I'm asking you as a family to pray about it, talk to your kids about it, talk to uh, kid venture teams about it, talk to, talk to about it in the youth group, talk about it in our life teams, and uh, pray and seek God. God, what would you have for us concerning this? So here's what happened in Esther. Esther 5, you might want to get your questions ready because we're about to do a Q&A, is after a few days of praying, she puts on her best clothes, she stands in front of the entrance of the throne room, and the king sees her, his heart is drawn to her, and he calls her in. And this is what happens. In Esther 5, 3, it says, then the king asks, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, I will give it to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, let the king together with Hammond come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. So this is crazy. He says, you can have anything in the world, anything in the nation. What do you want? I want a party. <laughs> Invite Hammond. See, Hammond got the invitation. And he thought that maybe he was going to be the guest of honor. So he also prepared himself in his best clothes, and he was excited. Now the party is called together. And the king says, all right, we're here, Esther. Now what do you really want? And this is what happens in Esther 7, verse 3. It says, then King Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, insert long pause right here, grant me my life. And I can imagine his face is like, what? This is my petition, and spare my people. This is my request. And all of a sudden, light bulbs come on. You're Jewish. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. Verse 5, King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, well, who is this man that did this? Who is he? Who is the man who has dared to do such a thing? And Esther says, an adversary, an enemy. She points to him, this vile Hammond. He's like, oh, he's got a mouthful of food. <laughs> Hammond, then Hammond was terrified before the king and queen. And the king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. So he stormed out in a rage. He's like, ah, oh, one of my main guys is, is, is trying to kill my wife and, his, and her people. And he's like, he, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Hammond knows he's about to die. So he gets over to Esther, starts begging her uh, to, to, to help. And he says this. But Hammond, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. <laughs> this is like a series of unfortunate events. He says, just as king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Hammond was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. Then the king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen <laughs> while she is with me in the house? And I love this. This is crazy. As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Hammond's face. It's like they went, they covered his face. They attacked him. He was tackled to the ground. That's what that means right there. It's like they threw a sack over his face, and they were ready to beat him to a pulp. It says, uh, and then some, one of the servants says, well, there's a 75-foot pole outside of Hammond's house that he was going to hang Esther's cousin on and impale him. And the king says, really? So he says this in verse 9. Then the king says, impale him on it. So they impaled Hammond on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Mordecai is then promoted to a place of honor. The killing stopped, and Esther made history that day. So the challenge is this. A people, the people were saved. Killing stopped, and Esther made history. And that people that she saved would one day bring us another man who saw the opportunity and the challenge to rescue countless lives, a man who counted the cost and sacrificed his life.
That man is the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And his sacrifice saves all who return to him in prayer. Anyone who will humble themselves before him. See, the truth is most of us spend our one and only life chasing the American dream instead of giving our lives to further the kingdom of God. And today we're given a Kairos moment. It's in your hand to make a difference. I'm ready to seize the moment, to seize the day. I'm ready for I believe that we were created for such a time as this. So I'm going to ask uh, if you guys have questions now. I'm going to open it up to a time of questions. I'm going to ask uh, Randy to come down. I asked, He's one of our elders. And uh, um, I asked him because he's going to... Uh, Talk a little bit about why a pledge is, is an important uh, part of, um, of what we're doing. And uh, here, you can use this microphone right here, uh, Randy. Randy's not exactly a public speaker, but he has a deep insight. And he, uh, I want you to know our, our elders are on board with this. And our team is on board with this. Our staff and our worship team, uh, we are excited about our future. And I, um, so I'm just going to ask the first question is, why do we need a pledge, Randy? And we need a pledge for several reasons. One is, if we go out and find a building, we're going to have sufficient funds on hand to pay the upfront cost, which we don't currently have because we got nothing in the bank. Um, the other side of the coin is we have to borrow money. We're going to have to show that we have a giving record to support a loan. And that helps if you've got a sufficient number of funds in the bank as well. So it's really a double-sided coin. Is At any rate, we need something in the bank to even get started. We can't start with nothing. So uh, we get out and find a building. We have to pay all the upfront costs, at least uh, earnest monies and uh, possibly your first or second month's rent. A lot of times we can often negotiate some of those fees. But at any rate, there's still there's always going to be fees and costs associated with any any building that we would find. Now, another question is, is why, why a card? Why should I write down an amount? Why is that important? Because a bank or any other lending institution will take a look at your history of giving and look, and they will take a pledge from your congregation as sort of like a collateral. And uh, they'll look at what your, uh, your past giving's been and uh, if that number sort of jives, and what you could easily do, we're only asking for, to double our, our monies that uh, we can show that we've got pledges and banks will loan on that because okay. we need to borrow money. Now, you've been a part of pledges in the past, yep. and how did that work out for you? Well, we went through two two drives. One was with Spring Creek. We had to move out of our existing building because we needed something permanent. We were in lease space, sort of like we are here, and we needed. We were growing to the point that we couldn't accommodate our people, so we had to, to reach out. We went had our building program called into the lion's den where we bought and refurbished the old food lion over there on uh, Beltline Road when I was with there. So. And you were part of all that? Yeah, part of that. And then later on, we decided that, well, we that building, we outgrew that space real quick. We had to put on a big auditorium and expand the parking, and we had a second fund. And all that was driven, well, the first one was kind of driven off. We all tapped our IRAs, a lot of us. So basically, we pulled money out of our 401s, our IRAs, and we sort of reinvested that money with bonds with the first building campaign and then on the second building campaign it was it was all pledges up front now there's also pledges associated with the first one we had also had to pay off those bonds mm -hmm. of course after we borrowed all that money so we basically borrowed the money from ourselves and then we paid it back and then on the second campaign it was just simply a pledge drive where yeah. we just pledged above and beyond our normal giving so we could build the new building and pay it off and that's that's what we're doing right now is a pledge drive right, right. so anything else you want to say about it well, the only thing I would challenge everybody is just to pray about it and think about it. The one thing we discovered early on was we were pretty new at Spring Creek. We just turned our lives back over to God, and it was always a lot of fear associated with what can we really do. But the one thing we discovered really quick with God, anything's possible. We give a lot more than we ever dreamed we could give during those campaigns, and we never missed it. We went through a layoff when we were still committed to those pledges where I lost my job, and uh God still enables us to meet meet our daily needs and meet everything that we pledged. So, with Him, everything's possible. Amen. Don't don't sell yourself short. Amen. Good word. Thank you, Randy. Um, I'm going to let, let you guys ask any questions you might have. This is about anything that we've talked about over the last few weeks about the vibe about. Uh, a relocation about our three steps, about the 410 challenge. What we're going to do is we're giving you the, the cards today because I want you to go home with your family and talk about it and pray about it. 
Uh, you know, it's tax return time. Maybe you want to pray about uh, how you can use that tax return and in investing into the kingdom and to your church. Or, or maybe, uh, uh, you know, maybe not go to Starbucks for four months or maybe just go less or, or don't go out to eat as much. It's amazing uh, what you can do when you decide things are going to uh, be for the kingdom rather than for the now. And uh, so... Um, we're going we're gonna to do that for four months, and I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to challenge you, and we're going to see God do miracles. Man, whenever, I, whenever a church is a participates in this, God provides in a miraculous way. He blesses. There are so many verses about investing in the kingdom and how God gives back more than we can handle because God does that. When he knows that he can trust you with what he's given you, then he allows you to have more. It's just the, it's, it's Godonomics. It's not economics. It's Godonomics because the way God sees things is different than how we see things. So uh, um, any questions? I'm going to see if, my, if you guys sent any on my phone. All right, got a few here. All right. This person says, once we find a location where we move in immediately, then do renovations in the process, if that makes sense. Well, we can't move in until we get what's called a CO, a certificate of, a, of occupancy. That means if we uh, can move in, we will move in and rent while we're there. But if we can't get a CO, uh, which will require like certain regulations on bathrooms and on emergency doors and lighting, and there's certain like legal obligations for occupancy load numbers and that sort of thing. So if we can move in, we will move in and rent while we're there. Otherwise, uh, we'll have to... Uh, you know, maybe stay here for a couple months while it's getting ready. Uh, it just depends on the place that we're, that we, uh, that God leads us to. Uh, this person says, "I like your shirt. Thank you so much." Okay, so I can tell you that that right now that we have already pledged uh, about eleven thousand dollars. Pretty good out of forty thousand dollars. That's pretty good, huh? So that means amongst our leaders, uh, and uh, some of our leaders haven't even uh, started. They're, we're going to actually talk about it in our leaders meeting today. But uh, among our leaders, we already have uh, uh, about $11,000 pledged. Pretty awesome, isn't it? And some of them have already given uh, that amount. This person, i got to read it first because the other one said uh, just to not read it. This one, this is a great, great question. Would love to see our church reaching out uh, to the homeless. Could it be possible to have a banquet for local homeless in our community, providing love, uh, food, and a night of ministry and worship? Absolutely. I, I can see the vibe being used every day. Uh, we have different groups that have already asked for certain nights, whether it be Young Life on Mondays and our Zone on Tuesdays, our Youth on Wednesdays. We've got a prison support ministry on Thursdays, and we could even, uh, if we have multiple rooms, we can have more than one thing at one night going on. And we have Saturdays, we have Sundays. I would love for us to do that. I think that is great. If you, by the way, want to get involved in reaching out to, to, to men and women, there's a support groups here uh, that you can talk to uh, uh, Bobby and Jessica about, and there's also, I don't know if you guys know this, but Harmony Brown, uh, Michael and Harmony, she actually is the chaplain at uh, the Center of Hope, which is the Union Gospel Mission homeless ministry for the women in Dallas, and she, uh, she's looking for people to get involved there as well. Uh, this person says, do you know how excited we are? <laughs> I think not, sir, I think not. And they gave their name, but I didn't say their name. Um, Hashtag Ted said. Thank you. Uh, so this one person says, this is a good question. So we are so are we needing to pledge amounts for four months first, then 10 months after, or 10 months first, then the four months? We're going to ask, I'm just asking you just to focus on four months right now. And then after four months, we're going to hand out a new card, and we're going to pray over them, and we're going to see what God would have us to do for the 10-month challenge. The four-month challenge is a little bit more intense than our 10-month. A four-month is going to be like, if you can do it, if you, if you, man, I just pray that you would trust God on this. My wife and I, we are, we are more than doubling what we give monthly. 
okay? We believe in, in, in our mission, and uh, we've already set it aside. We already know how it's going to happen, where it's going to come from. And uh, if you believe, you know, if you give $20 a week, give $40 a week. If you give, you know, $200 a month, give $400 a month for four months. And, and just, just see what God does, all right? And uh, it goes into a savings account that is just for our relocation fund and for our building, uh, is for our, our ministry relocation, and it won't be used for anything else. But it's important that whatever you give is above your regular giving because we still have to pay rent, we still have bills, and we still have regular budget to meet. And so we're asking that the, the 410 is four months of what you're going to do over your regular giving. If you don't give and you've never given, let this be the beginning of just being a giver, okay? And, and, and decide that you're going to obey God's word on this part and, and, just, and just be uh, faithful and watch what God does. And don't designate it for the vibe if you've never given. Just, just give it as your tithe and, and you just pray what God would have you to do after that when we get to the 10-month mark, okay? So any other questions? I mean, this is vibe questions. This is, okay. I'm not sure if I understand this this question. Um, are you, you talking seating, chairs, right? Is that what you're... Here's what we're thinking about for the chairs, by the way, is that each family, uh, that we're going to pick out our chairs, because this is a lot of concern, you know, people concerned about chairs, uh, because we got the best chairs in town right here. I mean, this is, you guys can sleep and nobody even knows, all right? Our chairs won't be this high. They won't be recliners, and they probably won't rock like these chairs, but they'll be cozy chairs. We're going to pick out some good chairs, and here's how we're going to do the chairs. Uh, when it comes time for the chairs, is we're going to ask everybody to buy their own chair, you know, if we have a $30 chair, then I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Everybody buy your own chair. And if you have a family, then buy a couple extras for your family. And if, uh, and, and if you can afford it, buy one more chair for, for a guest that you might bring someday or for that person that might come in. And then all of a sudden, we got our chairs just like that. And you can even, you know, engrave your name on the bottom if you want. And, yeah, and you know, it would be like, that's the chair I gave. Get out of my seat, you know. Whatever, you know, but the idea is that um, I think we can have the chairs uh, pretty quick, um, and I think that's pretty cool. Now, some of you that have a big family, uh, it might be hard for you to buy a lot of chairs, but that's where we as a team, and we can do the chairs, and the church will buy, buy some chairs too. Yeah, we can sit on each other's lap. This one says something exciting, that we can uh, seek donations from area businesses to donate materials to remodel the building. Uh, that we will have a huge outreach for our community, heart emoji, and um, that is absolutely the truth. We already have a lot of building materials uh, donated or discounted. We already have a lot of the construction labor already donated, a lot of the work already uh, donated and given and and, uh, and discounted. So that's pretty exciting. We're also going to be seeking absolutely for additional donations and uh, and for material and you know. So absolutely. So we, we believe we can do a lot with less. Um, this person says this pledge card is just for the vibe and does not include our tithe. That is a good question. That is correct. That pledge card is just for the vibe. So that amount that you're going to write on there is just your vibe amount. That's why it says uh, um, after, after prayerfully, uh, after praying, this is what I'm going to give above my regular tithe. So or above my regular giving. So that's a really good question. All right, a couple more. Um, this one wants to know, what kind of hair products do you use? Your hair is fabulous. And I know who sent this, speaking from someone who doesn't have any hair. Put the numbers together. <laughs> he wants to know how, I can, how you can have this. Um, I was going to say something, but it'd just be mean. So in a joking way, we joke with each other privately, but not in front of you. It would be mean. Could you talk about what uh, the plans for Kid Venture in the Vive are? Absolutely. Uh, it will be a facility that will be, uh, we don't have to load in and load out Kids Church. And it will be a, a place where the, 
The kids will have ample space. Uh, there'll be group time space, and there's going to be, we're going to set up a nice area of, you know, we have media and stuff over there that will media and stuff in the KidVenture. There'll be, uh, now depending on the space we get, some of the vi- some of the KidVenture rooms might be shared space during the week, uh, depending on the space that we get. But it will be a full-blown kids' church ministry. But here's the, the important thing to remember is that the vibe is a passion for ministry every day, not just for two hours on a Sunday. So uh, we want to make sure that we plan for ministry every day and not designate a part of the building that, that is off-limits except for two hours once a week. Uh, so our, our facility is, a, is going to be multifunctional, but also we'll, we'll have a, a dynamic and exciting kids' church and you know, my wife, who leads up KidVenture right now, she is a, a, uh, a person who is standing and making sure that kids' ministry is taken care of. Uh, once we find a, um, could we contact, da, 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 before I say that, oh, can we contact Chip and Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Hey, you know what? We can try. Uh, are you looking for a space? Uh, building in the same area. Good question. We are looking for a space that's in the same area. Uh, finances in this area or prices in this area are kind of high. We want to do something. We're not just looking for a place for a church to, to, to meet. We're looking for a place for the vibe to be. So uh, wherever we, we go, it's going to be something with the vision of the vibe in mind. So we can't, you know, just pick some, you know, warehouse or barn out in the country, it's going to be something that's accessible and meets the longer vision of our church, but we're hoping it will be in this area for sure. At the re- We won't go any farther than 75, and, and I don't think that we'll go uh, as far as Rowlett either, so it will stay around here, okay? A couple more questions. Um, it is pretty late. Um, baptisms, will we have them at our home or church? It depends on if we can get a baptismal. If we have a baptismal, we might have them at the church, but it sure is a blast having them at people's houses. Uh, How many square feet is the goal? Good question. Uh, We could make do with 5,000 square feet, preferably 10,000 square feet. We want uh, seating capacity of about 250, um, and then we would have multiple services. Um, There's a reason why we want to keep it within a certain size so that it can be accessible and usable for for, uh, for as a venue to rent out and that sort of thing. Couple more questions, real fast. Um, will the band have to re-audition for their spot? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the question is the name. That's between the band. I don't know. I doubt it. No, I love the band. Do you, is the worship band awesome today? I love them. Uh, is the name of the church uh, changing? And uh, how do you spell vibe? Uh, <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> is the name of the church? Changing, uh, how do you spell it? Uh, living Way is one word, and Living Way will never change. It, we will always be Living Way Church. Uh, we will just be meeting at the Vive, okay? So the Vive is just a location. It is not the church. The church is people. It's not a place. And is, uh, the Vive, Vive is spelled V-I-V-E, just like you would say revive. Uh, vibe means to live or life. Okay, so... Um, that person says, okay, thanks. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> Let's wrap this up because uh, we, we do have a 12 o'clock for Kids Church. Um, you can text me all day long, and I will respond to your text. If you have more questions or if you want to talk to one of our elders, just grab any one of our elders aside. Mike, could you raise your hand? That's Mike Walls. Randy, could you raise your hand? Is Tony in here today? Do I see? I don't see Tony. He's in the back. All right. Tony, he's got his hand up over there. All three of these guys, and we're missing one more, and Stan Rogers is staying right over here. I was counting through four, and then I make five. Uh, all of these guys, I meet with them individually as much as I can, and uh, they are all have a clear idea of what is expected and uh, the challenge is going to be, but they are excited about it. So if you want to talk to them, you want to know what our elders think, then you just ask them. All right, if you uh, serve in our support team, could you just stand up where you are too? Uh, Elders, could you stand up for a second? And then any of our leaders that like head up a ministry, if you're in the room, some of you are in KidVenture, could you stand up? If you head up a ministry in our church, 
okay? These are some of our other staff people, and grab them and say, are you sure about this? What's going on? Help me to understand, and they will tell you and talk to you. I know I do a lot of the talking up here, but these guys have just as much to say about it as well. Uh, thank you, guys. You can be seated. Here's where I want to close and pray. Okay, um, the kids need to be released. We're not called to live a long life. We're not called to live a satisfied life. We're not called to live a safe life, but we're called to live a radical, obedient life of faith to Jesus Christ. See, you see the opportunity. You've been given a challenge. You understand the cost. Now I'm asking you to pray over this. And that's Kairos. Let's do something of eternal significance. Okay? Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, that you are here right now. And uh, God, uh, earlier I used that rope illustration. And um, I want you all just to imagine that rope for a minute and that red part of the rope. See, there's two Kairos here today. There's you as a believer, what are you going to do of eternal significance? And then there's some of you that need to decide how you're going to spend eternity because you're in the red right now. And you have not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. And you're living for today. You're living for right now. And you're not content. You're still chasing and running and pursuing, but you just always feel like there's something else. Well, there is. It's Jesus. It's a relationship with God who created you and loves you deeply. And I want to challenge you to live for eternity to bow the knee to Christ Jesus today and embrace his plan for your life. This life can matter. This life can mean something. We don't just live and die and go away. We have eternal consequences before us. So, Father, I pray, first of all, for our church. God, guide us in how we should handle the 410 challenge. Let our families pray and believe and sacrifice and trust you. And God, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you as their, as their Savior, that this would be the moment where they say, Jesus, I'm yours. If you've never given your life to Christ, will you just take a moment to talk to him right now? Say, Jesus, here I am. I have so many questions, but I want to believe. Forgive me of my sin. Go ahead and tell him, forgive me of my sin, wash me clean. I don't want to live for this life. I want to live for the next. I want to live for eternity with eternity in mind. God, give me purpose. Give me meaning. God, give me a sense of direction in my life. Here I am. Use me. Wash me clean. Let me begin brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.